Extraordinary Terrestrials, Chapter 45, Mind Control. Why had he done that? Why did he do that? Tripp couldn't stop asking himself this, couldn't stop kicking himself internally for making such a stupid, weak, immature move instead of just saying it, as if the contact with his lips had started a minor fire. Tripp observed Maddie's cheeks become pink, then red. But she was smiling. She was smiling. He quickly looked away before either of them could be burdened with the embarrassment of eye contact. Trip, Maddie whispered with a mockery of scolding. This is hardly what I'd call a dire situation. I told you it would be when you least expected, he replied with his own parody of an argumentative tone. He didn't let her on to the terror setting in, the anxious wondering of what the devil would happen next. Tripp realized there was a hand in his. It was a warm hand, squeezing a little too tight. In that hand was the exact same terror he was feeling. What next? Bud opened the curtain quickly, but not quick enough to see Maddie and Tripp's hands release each other. Tripp regretted doing it, worried that she would think he was the first to let go. Then he worried that she'd been the first to let go. He hadn't even heard the nurse leave. Okay, where's the scalpel? Bud asked. Right. Tripp fished in his pocket with a little more vigor than necessary. There was a sharp pain in his finger. Ow. I found it. He withdrew the open blade that had nicked him and handed it to the boy. Maddie and Bud set to work cutting Karen's restraints while Tripp sucked on his wound. So what do we do once we've got her untied? Bud asked. We put Karen in the sweatshirt Trip was supposed to bring, Maddie replied. Trip, did you bring this? Right here. He held it up. And then, Karen, you'll leave with me. If people notice us going, Trip and Bud will make a distraction, Maddie completed. Does anyone else feel this plan is. Bud began to protest. Non existent, Karen cut in with nervous bluntness. Incomplete, Trip corrected. But as I said yesterday, I'll know what to do when the time comes. Isn't the time pretty much here now? Bud asked. Tripp chose not to hear him, pacing as he spoke. Hopefully we won't even need a distraction. Hopefully Maddie and Karen will be gone long before anyone notices, in which case we can leave with them. Hopefully, but if not, Maddie faced him. Tripp, will you please be careful? Usually, he replied. Bud and Karen hung on to his word thinking it was the beginning of a longer response. Maddie knew better, and looked away, smirking. But she was frightened, too. Tripp could see her hands tremble as she tried to cut at the binding around Karen's wrist. Bud, who was holding the binding in place for her, noticed, too. "'Your hands are shaking,' Bud observed loudly. Maddie threw down the scalpel and stood up. "'I'm nervous,' she ran a hand through her hair." Here, Maddie, you hold it while I cut, Tripp said, taking a seat. Bud, be a lookout, will you? 
See if there's anyone in the hall. Karen began to whistle and chirp again, while Tripp kept taking glances at Maddie. Her eyes remained fixed on their work, which was what Tripp should have been doing, but he was worried for her. You're sure you're comfortable doing this? He asked. You don't have to involve yourself. You can step out. I'm not comfortable doing this, she interrupted, never looking up. But I am sure we're doing the right thing and I want to be involved. Okay, just know there is a way out if you change your mind. He began to cut with more vigor, seeing that they were nearly done with the last binding. Though I agree that we are doing the right thing, there are many in higher positions of power who would not feel the same way. He knew the both of them were thinking of Bud's grandparents, among others. They finished cutting through the final wrist cuff, but Karen's hand did not move. Tripp looked to her and jumped a little, not expecting for her to have such an intense gaze concentrated on Maddie. Maddie seemed unable to look away. Maddie, she said, I'm leaving the bog to you. It'll be my home. What? The hallway is clear, but interrupted. Tripp turned back to Maddie, who looked torn. This was a crucial moment, and time could not be spared. Discuss it in the car, he decided aloud. Karen, put this on. He handed her the sweatshirt, which she struggled to don. Her weakened hands shook, and Maddie had to help her. Tripp had been concerned that the woman was not mobile enough for the task ahead of them, but as he and Maddie helped her out of her bed, her prison, and even as her face grew pale, there was more life in her eyes than there had been for months. She looked up at them both, grinning. Let's do this, she said, then glanced at her feet. Slippers, I need slippers. Tripp rushed to the closet she was eyeing and opened it greeted by shelves of slippers, hospital gowns, and the inexplicable presence of a mop head. Never mind, Bud commented covertly from the door. The hall is full of people now. Must be switching shifts or something. I don't know, maybe they're going to do another room check? Tripp barely heard the disappointed sighs behind him. He was putting the pieces together. Slippers, hospital gown, mop head. Glancing at Karen's hunched form, he estimated that she was approximately the same height as himself. Tripp crouched down to slip his shoes off. Maddie, give Karen my shoes. He tossed them to her. No. What? She didn't understand, but she was already juggling his shoes while also supporting Karen with one arm. Tripp crammed his feet into a pair of undersized slippers and began to roll up his pants. They would have to be concealed under the hospital gown. He sure as hell wasn't going without them. Trip, Maddie insisted. Explain yourself. Bud, lace up the back, will you? Trip turned his back, now shrouded in a hospital gown. Bud nearly complied without asking a question. Nearly. Are you going to pretend to be a crazy patient? Bud asked as he tied the top string of the gown. Not exactly. Trip reached for the mop head. It was a pale gray-brown in color, passable as a dirty blonde, as long as he was moving quickly. Wincing at the smell, he placed it on his head. It sat heavily. It would stay in place. He is a crazy patient, Maddie snorted, unable to suppress a laugh. Trip, what in the hell? Karen was the first to get it. Oh my god, she scoffed. Is that really what I look like? Maddie's gaze moved from Trip to Karen, then back to Trip. 
She looked as if she wanted to offer a comforting phrase to Karen, to say no, she did not look like the mess that Tripp had turned himself into. She did not deny it, however. Maddie instead started up with suppressed giggles, unable to hold back her amusement and nervousness. Tripp took it as a small triumph. What we need right now, Karen, he said, stepping up to the woman, is for you to look like no one. He flipped the hood of the sweatshirt over Karen's own ragged strands of hair. Karen gave a few frightened croaks and titters, then became silent. Okay, bud, how's it looking out there? Bud opened the door a crack. Still busy. Busier, even. This was good, Tripp decided. If he had most of them following him, that left less of them in the rest of the hospital and in Maddie's way. This insane logic could almost work. Do you know what we're doing, Bud? He asked. Bud gave him a look over, the most serious glance he'd gotten from anyone in the room so far. He nodded. Mind control, Bud said. Yes. Tripp looked to Maddie, whose wide eyes were now very frightened. Wait for the hallway to clear, then head for the stairs. Bud and I will move to the front of the building so that the back is relatively empty. We'll figure out a meeting place after everything has cooled down. And believe me, he placed what he hoped was a reassuring hand on Maddie's shoulder. Everything will cool down. Bud, let's go. Bud hollered as he gave Tripp a shove to the door. It made Maddie jump. Karen, where are you going? Wait, Karen, come back! Karen is escaping again! She's escaping! Maddie watched Tripp disappear out the door, followed by Bud, and waited for something horrible to happen. A part of her felt like crying, wishing he'd at least looked back before walking out that door. Why was she so frightened? There came the sound of many running feet, urgent voices, and Maddie could hardly believe her ears. Was it seriously working? Beside her, the frail woman trembled, gripping her supporting shoulder. They didn't have much time to prepare. Okay, let's get some quick practice in, Maddie said, taking Karen's other shaking hand. Do you understand? I want you to try walking some. The woman, now facing her, gave a confused and innocent blink. She did not understand. For all Maddie knew, she thought she was a blade of grass. Couldn't hurt to keep trying. "'Show me how you'll walk back home to the bog,' she said, taking a step back and gently leading the woman. Maddie was briefly reminded of a roller skating party where one of the male employees at the rink tried to impress her by teaching her how to skate. He'd held both her hands while he skated backwards, just as she was now standing with Karen. The trick was proving its usefulness now, not that it had done him any good. Maddie tried to comprehend why she would remember that moment at a time like this— Perhaps it was a way of coping, a way of focusing when there were a million distracting thoughts she could be having, 
distracting thoughts such as Tripp's lips on her cheek or what Karen had said to Maddie seconds before Tripp and Bud's departure, seconds before they all did something very risky. It was now seconds before Maddie herself would do something risky. She had to focus. Get Karen to walk. Here we go, towards the door. How do you feel? She asked the woman as they inched along. Weak and tired, Karen replied. Her voice was strained, her breath short. But mostly I just want to get out of here. We've moved about a foot. I'd say it's progress. It was progress, but not enough progress. Outside the door, Maddie could hear the sounds of running feet subsiding, the last echoes making their way down the nearly empty hall. I need to check outside. Can you stay standing on your own? I can try, Karen replied warily. Maddie let go of Karen's hands, spotting her as if she were an expensive, top-heavy vase. Standing still, Karen nodded to her. Maddie opened the door a crack and peeked out. Still a few doctors rushing towards the end of the hall near the elevators, she glanced to the opposite end, where the back stairs were. Clear. Okay, let's go. She turned and found Karen standing directly behind her. It was not Karen. The woman nodded with a determined frown. Yes, let's, she said. Trip was running. Trip was free. Trip could see just enough through his makeshift mop wig to know that there was a large crowd of doctors blocking the front stairs. Behind him, Bud was doing an excellent job hollering that Karen had escaped her room and surely would escape the hospital if all the doctors did not immediately rush toward the front of the building. The trick was to be chased without being caught. Tripp spotted an empty hospital bed up ahead and recalled that hospital beds have wheels. He took hold of the bed like a shopping cart and pushed on. The doctors, noting not only Karen Laurent, but a large hospital bed thundering towards them, were very quick to clear a path. Tripp crashed through the doors to the stairs, then crashed down the stairs. Behind him, he heard the doors open again and footsteps already pattering down the steps. Alarmed voices. No time to regain his composure. The bed, now caught in the crook of the stairs, provided a perfect obstacle for his pursuers. It also provided him with a perfect jump start as he trampolined off the mattress and leapt down another flight. By the time he reached the ground floor, the elevator doors were just opening on the third, and the doctors and nurses were just clamoring over the bed caught on the stairs of the second. Maddie and Karen were making painstaking progress until they hit the stairs. Then Maddie remembered they had three flights down to go, with a very feeble hospital patient. She turned to Karen, who had the same dubious look in her eye. All right, 
Maddie declared, taking one step down and positioning herself in front of the woman. Karen couldn't weigh much more than a hundred or so pounds. Karen, if you've never ridden piggyback, now's your chance. Karen scoffed. Of course I've ridden piggyback. What do you think brothers are for, anyway? Hesitant, she climbed onto Maddie's back. Hardly felt like anything at all. Karen scoffed again as Maddie began the descent. This is humiliating. Maddie refrained from mentioning that Karen had probably undergone worse humiliations in the past few months. She also refrained from complaining when Karen began to feel like much more than a hundred pounds on her shoulders as they reached the exit on the ground floor. They were close. So close. With a grunt, Maddie kicked the door open and nearly swallowed her tongue. Hazel Hadlock stood beside Maddie's car, a cigarette daintily perched in her fingers, speaking on her phone. Her eyes met Maddie's before they fell upon the small woman on her back. Maddie felt as if a cube of dry ice had dropped into her stomach. Out of breath, she couldn't think clear enough to say anything. It didn't help that Karen had begun a panicked chirping and peeping directly into her left ear and was squirming on her back. Of course, Maddie realized. They were finally outside. It was only natural for Karen to be excited. A conflicted look crossed Hazel's face. She took a drag from her cigarette and exhaled. Then a decision was made, though Maddie had yet to tell what kind of decision. You know what, Phil? Hazel said into the phone as she gave the car another look over. Never mind. I think I figured out who the car belongs to. No need to call the tow truck. Yes, I'll tell you about it later. Bye, hon. She hung up and gave Maddie an exasperated look. I asked you and Tripp if you thought you could help her, she said. Yes, and... Maddie began without knowing what she would say next. She was almost grateful when Hazel cut her off with a wave of a hand. I asked without knowing myself how she could be helped she continued. Even doctors get stumped, or do things they know are not beneficial to one's health. To prove her point, Hazel took another sheepish puff of tobacco. She paused, giving Karen a sad look. Without taking her eyes away from the woman's face, she addressed Maddie again. What I do know is she doesn't have much time left with the living. You'll take her somewhere she can be happy. She wasn't asking. Yes, we're taking her back to the... Hazel stopped her with another wave of the hand, shutting her eyes tight and gesturing that she was about to cover her ears. When she opened her eyes again, Maddie noticed wetness gathering in her crow's feet. She was looking and speaking to Karen now. I don't want to know where you're going, Karen. Or... She frowned a little. Maddie knew the look. It was the look of one who realizes they do not recognize the face they recognized seconds ago. But Hazel handled it with more grace than anyone had before. She smiled. Or whoever you are. The less I know, the better. See this moment here? This isn't even happening. Just tell me you're going somewhere you belong. Yes, said the woman clinging to Maddie's back. Her voice, deeper than Karen's, echoed over the parking lot. Okay, Hazel said quietly. 
still smiling. Okay. Maddie watched Ash fall from the cigarette she seemed to have forgotten about. Then get out of here while there's still time. Trip bolted through the main lobby, hanging onto his mop wig for dear life. Hey! The nurse at the front desk uttered a soft, startled protest, too surprised to even understand what was happening as Trip came upon the revolving doors. Recalling the complications that could result in passing through in a hurry, he stepped inside and let the machine do its leisurely work. It almost seemed appropriate for him to whistle casually as he waited for his exit, which was just a foot than inches away. The comical thought vanished when Tripp saw all the nurses and doctors pour out of the stairway and elevator, haggard and anxious, wild eyes searching for Karen Laurent. The revolving door had opened a crack. Stalling no longer, Tripp weaseled his way out, just in time to witness dozens of hospital staff clamor into the doors, pushing and shoving, causing the contraption to come to a grinding halt. He observed the faces mushed against the glass and considered how truly poor a choice in design that door had been. Then he heard screeching tires. Maddie's car came into view, swerving out of the parking lot. A wave of relief washed over Trip. They had escaped. The hard part was over. He withdrew this thought as he heard voices behind him. The crowd was escaping through a forced opening in the door, squeezing out in an amoeba of orderlies, security officers, and nurses. Tripp thought about running, but knew they would hop into vehicles once outside and would quickly overtake him. He needed wheels. Having arrived with Maddie, Tripp did not have his bike. It was too bad. His bike would have been perfect. Tripp then saw a child's bicycle resting at the stand, unlocked. Bud's bicycle. It would have to do. Extraordinary Terrestrials is written, read, and recorded by Miriam Rumkunis. All piano music was written and performed by Jonas Rumkunis. All public domain organ music was performed by John Rumkunis. All other music was written and performed by Miriam Rumkunis. Needless to say, all rights reserved. Tune in every Thursday for the next chapter. The spring peepers heard at the beginning of this chapter were recorded in South Berwick, Maine by Freesound user Bud Gillette. A link to their recording is in the show notes. If you like what you hear, please leave ratings and reviews for Extraordinary Terrestrials on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Libsyn. To get a shout-out from Churchy, you can contribute to the podcast Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. You can also follow the podcast and tell your friends on Facebook and Twitter, as well as the website, extraordinaryterrestrialspodcast.com. 
Lastly, go outside. There's been talk of trees in this segment before, and that's not about to stop because, as you know, trees are important. Rainforests are especially important. Just ask the indigenous communities that live within and around them. If you can't hop on a plane to Peru right this second, check in with an organization called Cool Earth. This nonprofit works directly with villages that are located at the front line of the battle for rainforest conservation. To learn more about how Cool Earth supports rainforests by supporting rainforest-dwelling communities, visit coolearth.org. At the very least, go outside! Thanks for listening.